Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Rick Martinez. I'm a cookbook author, video host, and I am a summer baby that loves hot weather. You sure are. And I'm Carla Lolly Music. I'm also a cookbook author, video host, and I'm excited to start cooking in my bathing suit again. <laughs> and this is Borderline Salty, the show where we take your calls, boost your confidence, and make you a better, smarter, happier cook. Today we'll discuss keeping your kitchen clean, how to make cream sauces that don't split, and the right number of dishes to serve when entertaining. There is a right number. That's right. But before we get into all that, Rick, tell me something good. So, Carla, you may recall from our last episode when we were talking about fishiness and how to combat those little tin fishes. So, last night, I went to Ernesto's for dinner, Mm -hmm. and there was an app that we ordered, and it landed. And I have to admit that I was slightly suspicious because it was basically— Anchovies two ways. Okay. Not so, one, but two. But two. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a very large piece of silvery brined anchovy on one side of the app. And on yeah. the other, there is oil-cured, kind of traditional, but very large also anchovy, on top of a buttery, flaky puff pastry, then topped with a beautiful, like, kind of vinegary salsa vert. Mm. And I thought to myself, I'm going to eat this, obviously, but I'm probably, it's probably going to be a little bit too intensely fishy flavored. Right. To my surprise, however, the acid and the intense buttery flavor of the puff pastry made it ridiculously delicious Mm. and with like literally no hint of fishy flavor. Ah. To the point where like we had ordered one of them and yeah. we cut them in half there were four of us so we were like going to split the two it was I think our favorite dish of the evening so we just kept ordering more and more wow. like I think we ordered four of these things in wow total. yeah this is like basically a no thank you please turned into a what's good like and turned into I can't stop eating these this is just a reminder to everyone if you think you don't like something try try again praise and yes. like just as we said last week acid and butter helps the medicine go down I mean, when did butter not help the medicine go down? I love that, like, even the threat of an oily fish could not deter you away from buttery pastry flaky. I mean, I was going to eat that hot puff pastry regardless. Regardless. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. 
love this for you. Oh, it's a whole God, new it was world. Amazing. I'm just going to go back. I'm sorry. Can I have 18 of that, please? Now I know if I go, order two per person. Obviously. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So, Carla, why don't you tell me something good? Well, I have just returned to really my favorite cooking activity and my favorite way to cook, which is cooking over live fire. And I know <sighs> we share the, the love of the grill. We yes. share the love of like the just the primal connection with the fire and the grilling and the smoke. And I just shot a couple of upcoming YouTube videos that are going to be grilling videos. And I was shooting a recipe for these spice-crusted pork ribs, and it reminded me of how much I love grilling over medium heat. Mm. And I feel like people, when they start grilling, they think like, oh, my God, it's going to be so hot. It's going to be fire. It's going to be flare-ups. It's going to be all this stuff. And as a person who's been grilling for a long time, medium heat is the way to go. A fatty cut like spare ribs, Mm. you have time for the— fat to render and slowly building up a crust and there's spices that aren't getting burned. And then you have all of the aromas and the the listening to the fat sizzle on the coals uh. and the smoke in my hair. And it's why I love cooking over medium because it's active cooking, but it's not stressful. And it's actually you're outdoors and the birds were chirping and uh. like it was so the caftan was flowing. The caftan was flowing. The microphone was connected. <laughs> Um, But it was just like that. I just love that beginning of the season, getting back outside. I know for you, it's a year round. I mean, I started my season in January, but whatever. (laughs) Meanwhile, my cameras on the the backyard grill like burn out after uh, 60 (laughs) seconds. But that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And a bird didn't, no birds pooped. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) It was a great day. And my producer very nicely got the uh, construction crew across the way to stop sanding the outside of the building. It was, I don't know. New Yorkers are actually wonderful people. (laughs) Oh, I heart New York. I think I hear the phone ringing. Ring-a-ding-ding. All right, my name is Ani. My biggest thing I think that scares me and also low-key bugs me with cooking and baking, which I tend to do a lot of, is keeping my kitchen clean and like, I don't know, I get super scared afterwards that I didn't do a good job and I feel like I don't have the perfect post-cleaning routine yet. What supplies, what spray, I mean, I just want to know like as professional chefs and people who have worked in test kitchens with people who help clean up, what do you guys prefer to keep in your kitchen to help when it comes to either raw foods or just lots of flour or who knows what all around your kitchen? Yeah, there's just something very satisfying about having the right things and being able to take care of the right kind of mess. I love, love this question. This is a great question. And I think the first absolute golden rule of the kitchen is the cook never cleans. Correct. If I have made you dinner, then someone else is on cleanup. And I think this also applies to a household or If you go away for the weekend and there's people who are the cooks and then those cooks swap out. And if you want to contribute to the meals, but you're not a cook, you're on cleaning. Also, can we just talk about for a second, if I invite you over to my house as a date and I cook you dinner, you better damn well get up off your ass and clean my kitchen (laughs) before you leave because that just sucks. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So there's my dating PSA. 
That's like picking up the check is like, let me take care of this. Right. And then you offer to get tip. And then if they say no, then that's fine. Then you get the Uber home or like you, I don't know, you (laughs) something. (laughs) Work it out. (laughs) I have a pretty tight cleaning rig that I keep under the sink. There are some things that are just over the years have become favorite products. So I know this may be controversial, but I love Dawn. I'm sorry. Dawn Dawn gets grease out of the way. I love the sudsies. I love how it cleans. I love to use Dawn. The contentious issue is the fact that it has petroleum as one of the ingredients, but that petroleum is the reason why it is able to molecularly attract grease and literally take it out of your way. And it's also the reason why it's used for cleanup during oil spills. And like, (laughs) you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm not sponsored by Dawn. I just know that, you know, if I cook something that is really (laughs) greasy, that that is one of the only cleaning liquids that will remove all of the grease the first go round. And the reason why I don't like other brands is because you end up having to wash it like three or four times. Right. But having the right tools is important, I and I don't have a lot of them. I have a scrubby sponge that I really like. I have a natural bristle sort of handheld thing for, like, if there's anything stuck to my cast iron skillet or my sheet trays, I'll go in with that. And then I have a bottle brush, super important. There's no way to clean inside bottles. In addition to Dawn, I am obsessed with Barkeeper's Friend, which is a powder that is amazing for sheet trays and especially cast iron, your enameled cast iron Dutch oh, ovens yes. where they get they get that brown, brown and yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It doesn't take a lot of elbow grease and it will lift all of that stuff off. It's very pleasing. I agree with all of that. You know, a few years back, I was obsessed with Marie Kondo and I was condoing my apartment and I was voraciously watching her show and reading the book. And when I got to the section on kitchens, her number one rule is design your kitchen to make cleaning most efficient. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, no, 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 no. My kitchen needs to be designed for the the output of the most amazing food. <laughs> Why would I ever design a kitchen to like be the most clean kitchen in the world? Right. And You're an artist. Exactly. You need to create. I don't care yes. about the cleanliness. <laughs> no. Um, and so her point is, if you create a cleaning situation in your home kitchen where it is super easy to clean, and not only easy, but also you create your cleaning environment with things that spark joy, and then it doesn't seem so much like a chore. There's a flow to it. There's a There's complete a flow. Yeah. flow. And you crank up the music. For me, it's like Broadway show tunes, and it's like me, Choco, Broadway show tunes, <laughs> and it's a lot more dare I say, enjoyable. Yeah. Music is super important. And I would also add to that, trying to find moments during your cooking to jump in and cycle a few things through the sink. So if there's something that needs a few minutes to sear and you've got a pork chop that's cooking, while that's going, sort of turn around and jump through a couple of things, get them out of the sink so that at the end of the night, it's just not as overwhelming. I am notoriously bad about that. But what I have found, I'm not a clean everything as you go kind of guy. I'm going to clean the things that I hate. So, (laughs) Oh, 
Earlier? Earlier, yeah. Oh. Like, to me, the things that are, are least offensive are like plates and bowls. Sure. So if I clean, you know, the knives or any of like the boards, just things that are big and bulky and just take a few more minutes, if I clean all those things and then I have like the easy stuff at the end, yeah, I am going to do my future self a big favor and my future self is going to be really happy with my past self. And that's all I want. I want my future and past <laughs> selves to be happy with one another. <laughs> Hello, caller. You're on the line. Hi, Carla and Rick. My name is Ellen. I'm calling from New York. What scares me is mushrooms. I am so scared of not washing them. And I've heard that people say you should not wash them. You should just brush them with a paper towel. But how could it be that that is not carrying bacteria and dirt and things that I should not be putting in my body? And then I've also heard that it makes it worse. If you wash it, it puts the dirt further into the mushroom. I'm just really confused. So if you could end this for me once and for all, let me know how to deal with my mushrooms. That would be great. A classic fear of fungus right here. Classic. 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 I mean, first thing I want to say is it's a wonderful time to love mushrooms because mushrooms that used to be really hard to get are now being cultivated. So hen of the woods and the different kinds of oyster mushrooms and the clustered mushrooms, like... You can get those now in the supermarket, and it used to just be shiitakes and baby bellas and portobellos. So this is, it's a great time to be a mushroom lover. In the past, I remember working in restaurants, and we would get cases of wild mushrooms that were covered in dirt and had twigs and pine needles. <laughs> and like most of the mushrooms that you bring home today are very clean straight out of the gate. So you you just don't have to worry about it as much. Pristine. Like they, it's, yeah. it looks like they were grown in like, you know, a hermetically totally. sealed chamber with no dirt at all. So I think the reality is it's okay to use water. It's okay to use a brush. It's okay to use a cloth and just like, you know, dab it so the dirt comes off. That's normally what I do, but there are occasions where, you know, you get a really dirty portobello or cremini or trumpet mushroom, and you need to run it under the water. I think the trick is, whatever your preferred method of cleaning, whether it is a little brush, a little wipe, or a little dip and a water bath, you want to make sure that it's dry before it goes into yeah. your pan. So if you need to, like, dry it off or just put it on a clean kitchen towel and let it sit on the counter for a bit till it dries yeah. off... And if there's any residual moisture in there, you might have to adjust your cook time. But it's going to be fine. It's going to be delicious. Yeah. If there's like lots of sizzling and crackling when the mushroom hits the pan, that means that there's water that's evaporating, boiling, and it'll cook off. And it'll be fun to watch. And then they'll be great. So have a great pasta with mushrooms. Yes. Oh, now I want mushrooms. (laughs) Damn it. Caller three, go ahead. Hi there. My name's Renault. I am terrified of making cream-based sauces for pasta, which is, seems like a simple thing. But I always want to balance it out with some acidity because then it's just too rich if it's just cream and butter or, you know, just like a roux or whatever. So I'll put a little lemon juice in and then the sauce will split because obviously it will. So I'll do lemon zest instead, but then the pith gets in there and then the whole thing's bitter. And... I just always have a hard time with it. So how do you guys handle that other than, I don't know, pairing it with a dry wine or something like that? I love a creamy lemony sauce. That sounds really good. I'm sorry that it's splitting, Renault. I love dry white wine. Yeah. Oh, 
Try. Wait, in a sauce or just just in general or both? Just both. Yeah. He was like, it was smart to think of like pairing something rich with something bright. Yeah, yeah, totally. There are some pretty simple things that you can do, little techniques from the cooking process that will help this sauce not to split. Yeah, for me, um, the first thing I would make sure is not to overreduce the mixture. So if you overreduce your cream mixture that's essentially cooking off all of the available liquid. So you're just left with fat. And that is a mixture that's just more likely to split. So making sure that it's not over-reduced and then always add the acidic ingredient when you're no longer over high heat, the mixture should not be at a boil. So really you're taking that off the heat at the right reduction and then adding and balancing with your acidic ingredient. Yeah, definitely. There's a product called Ultra Pasteurized Cream, and that is far more stable than normal pasteurized cream. I believe it's just held at a higher temperature for longer, so it's more stable. So if you use that, I mean, it's kind of indestructible, so you shouldn't have any problems. The other thing you can do is add a little bit of cornstarch or flour when you're sauteing your vegetables at the beginning with a little fat, and then add your cream to that, and then it'll all bind and it, it won't break. Yeah, Renault did mention a roux at one point. So if he's starting with a roux, that is, that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think if you're still having trouble with a straight acid like vinegar or the lemon juice, try finishing with like a tangy cream, like creme fraiche, sour, sour cream. cream, even plain yogurt will give like, you know, some of the acidity without really risking it. Yeah. And one other thing that he said is that when he adds the zest, he gets the pith in there. Right. Um, what I would say is you should probably invest in a microplane or like a really fine grater that'll just take off the top part of the zest without any of the pith, and that'll remove any uh, bitter notes you get in your sauce. Yeah, and if he can still detect those, then he can feel the pee under the mattress, and then it's just a, a whole bunch of bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. Call us back, Renault, with you if you got the bigger problems. You know, you know Princess and the Pea? You know what I'm no, talking about? No, what does that mean? Oh, <laughs> It's a it's a fairy tale, like the princess and the pea. Uh -huh. And it's this princess, and she can feel the tiny pea under the mattress because she's a real prima donna. And so they keep, like, putting – I guess it's her, like, beloved – keeps putting more mattresses on top of the other mattress so she can't feel the pea, and then she can still feel the pea. And it's supposed to be about, like, she's got to chill out and, like, stop obsessing over this tiny pee. But when I read the story as a little kid, I was like, listen, if you can feel the pee, like, you have a problem. Okay, so just to clarify, the pee that we're speaking of is a garden green pee and not urine. Oh, oh, yes. No, no. A okay. green pee. Because when you, yeah. when you initially said feel the pee, I was like, are we really talking about bedwetting? Like, is that where we are? You said acidic ingredient. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is that would be a larger pro problem, Renault. Sorry. Princess and the Bee. I think there's time to take one more call. Hey, Rick and Carla. My name's Michelle. So my family loves to throw parties that I love to cook for. But I sometimes spend too much time trying to finish everything I want to do. So what are your tips for making delicious food enough for a crowd without compromising quality? I'd even love to hear your favorite recipes recommended for summer parties. I love a good party plan. Totally. I used to be 
coming up with seven different dishes and wanted to impress everyone. And then, of course, I would have a note about all the things I could do in advance, but then I would never do them in advance. And then there I would be at two in the morning, like piping out gougeres, <laughs> you know, and it's just like not worth it. If you can't have fun at your own party, nobody else is going to have fun either. You as the host, exactly. you set the tone. So if you're stressed out and exhausted, people are going to feel bad. Exactly, exactly. God, since probably I turned 21, I have been throwing huge birthday parties. And so I've gotten really good at really overdoing the food, but planning so it doesn't overwhelm me at the end. Okay. Yeah, what are the secrets? To me, like the key is a good plan. I think about what can I make the head? Mm -hmm. Like, are there things that can be made that can be frozen? I do the exact same thing when Thanksgiving or the holidays roll around. What can be done a week ahead, three, four days ahead, and then day before, day of. And if you make a really, really tight plan where all of your prep, all of the big things are done ahead of the day of, then day of, it's just about assembly. And maybe you make the one thing. But if you plan it right, you should be well-rested. You should have a good half hour for your disco nap because being able to enjoy the party and look amazing and have energy to like keep going all night long, <laughs> you got to be well-rested. Well, as the person who usually, if you ring my doorbell, I am going to be in the bathroom with wet hair, still putting on mascara. <laughs> it's like, could not, you're going to be greeted by a child who I have told has to be ready when the doorbell rings because I'm in a towel. So I'm getting better at building in time for the disco nap or leaving, leaving the smallest things like making the vinaigrette or the dressing or cutting the lemons for the bar or whatever those little things are. Those are things you can do after people show up. So sort of stopping the prep at a moment to be get out of the, you're in it, you're still running through your checklist, and you can come back and cut the lemons when people show up. It's totally fine. So what I really try to do to keep it balanced on the day of is you don't want to have everything having to be made on the stovetop at the same time. You don't want the oven being used for four different things. So something that reheats really easily on the stovetop maybe a braise that could be made ahead and is gently coming back up to temperature and then having a raw dish that doesn't require any part of your stove at all. So a delicious braise combined with a delicious big salad combined with maybe a quickly sauteed something that's going to be served on the side. Or as a fellow lover of the grill, if you want to be grilling at your party, make sure everything else is served room temp because otherwise you're going to be running back and forth between the kitchen and the outdoors and that's never any fun. So I would just mix up the preparations and be sure that you've got your room temp, your has to be hot and the thing that you want to do when your people are there. And I think it's okay to recruit your friends to help. Yeah. No one is going to leave your house after a really amazing party, lots of amazing food, lots of great drinks and think, I cannot believe that Carla asked me to buy a bag of ice. No one is going to think that. And so 
I know when I have my parties, if I need to move some folding chairs or I need to put some tablecloths out or light some candles or chop some veg, people are more than willing to do that. People want to help, actually. They want to feel like they are participating and they're part of it. Exactly. And so save some tasks. Save the things that you don't like doing. So if you hate buying ice, if you hate making desserts, whatever— Just like save that for the guests. They'll feel more invested in your party. They'll feel like a co-host. They'll help you usher in people. And that's totally fine. You want people to have a good time. And if if it means that someone is going to have to like, you know, do little bathroom trips, they're going to have fun. (laughs) They're going to be like the little tour guide. Yeah, people are going to be like, I cut the lemons. Aren't they beautiful? (laughs) Yeah, outsource the dessert. My friend Fran has this amazing family saying, and I'm sure it's not just her family, but it's an actual saying, which is, I'm going to butcher it, but some variation of when you show up at the front door of a friend's house, you should only be able to ring the doorbell with your elbow. So the idea being your hands are so Uh, filled. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Your hands are so filled with the things that you're bringing to somebody's house that you have to, you know, ring the doorbell with the tip of your nose or something. And, you know, I've never thrown a dinner party or an afternoon party or grilling party where people weren't texting me that morning saying, what can we bring? What can I do? What can I bring? Exactly. Yeah. And those are the kind of friends that you want anyway, so... I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Liai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Before we go, it's time for, you guessed it, rad fad or bad fad. So Rick, for this one, I am going to take you back to one of the first TikTok trends that I ever really got attached to. It is a retro summer food fiesta. Are you ready? I think so. Oh my God. Wait, and it's edible, right? Oh, it's edible. Can I can can we just say that this is our first live Radfad experience? Yes. Wow. <laughs> you don't even know. Grab it. Grab it. Here we go. And it's in a bag. She's opening the bag, ladies and gentlemen. She's getting out a plate. 
here it comes. The plate is now down. Napkins are being put down as well. <gasps> a fork. I can eat it with a fork. Maybe a knife too? No, there it is. <gasps> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. No, there's watermelon. It just hit the plate. I know it's about to come out. God <laughs> damn it. Fuck. Oh. You know it, baby. Oh, let me have some coffee before I do this. You like, might wanna. Can I just tell you, she just pulled out French's mustard. Okay, I have a mustard story. When I was in first grade, and I, that like, by first grade, I was very well aware of the fact that I hated yellow mustard. I had not yet been tr- introduced to Dijon. Mm-hmm. I... On hamburger day, in the lunch line, <laughs> am, am scowling at the little paper containers filled with yellow mustard next yeah. to the ketchup, which yeah. I love. So yeah. I'm grabbing the ketchup. I'm like shunning and looking asconce at the yellow mustard. This little girl named Tina L- I feel cannot, free to bloop that Your childhood out. memories blow my mind. Tina L- looks at me and is like, how can you eat a hamburger without mustard? And I'm like, because it's disgusting. <laughs> and she's like... No, mustard is delicious. And I'm like, no, it's gross. Get away from me, you gross little teen person. She proceeds to get the mustard and then starts taunting me. And she's squishing the little paper cup and like dribbling it all over her hamburger. Oh my God. I am going to vomit. (laughs) Tina. Tina. And she's like, I don't believe you. And I'm like, don't test me. Wow. Tina. Wow. She continued to do it. She smeared it on her finger and then put her <gasps> finger in my nose. Shut up. I'm like, bitch. Wow. Get ready. Now we Projectile make- vomiting <gasps> all over her. My chocolate milk and probably my French toast from hours before. All over her. Yes. That's all it takes. That's all it took. And I was like, no. note to the rest of you. If you... <laughs> ever try and put yellow mustard in front of me again. This is your fate. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, I I can, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'll let you self-administer. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to stick it up your nose. Okay, thank you. What we have here, oh, people, is some fresh, juicy bodega watermelon. And just a, it's an even, it's an off-brand. It's just a generic bottle. It's not even. I didn't even get French's. Oh, <laughs> no, my God. Just a generic. Wow, and I'm even gonna, better. I'm going to dollop, but I'll do it over to the side. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. I, you know, like, I was imagining, did she bring pastry? Is it cake? <laughs> it was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay, there's been a dip. One side has been it's like, dipped. It's like a decent amount, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's coated. Okay. Okay. Here's to you, Tina. <laughs> God damn it. <gasps> I mean, I'm not going to say I like it because I don't. Right. But it's, I, I do also understand it. Yeah. I, I do think that watermelon likes acid. Yes. It probably does also like ground mustard. Yes. It's just like all of the other things that are in yellow mustard that I just object to. Yes. But, I think the reason it works on a flavor level is because the same reason why, like, a watermelon feta salad with, like, thinly right, sliced, right. you know, onion and and a, and some lime juice is delicious because it's cold and refreshing, and then you have these bright things. and It's like a little roller coaster, right? Yeah, and because watermelon is a little bit savory, like being in the gourd family, so that cucumberness, there's a little vegetalness. Right. 
what this doesn't have is like a great, maybe textural. Right. You need a little more crunch. A little more crunch. Yeah. But I, I get it. Yeah. You do get it. I get it. And I think what made this a trend was that people would think it would be so much grosser than it really is. Right. Right? It does seem really gross. But actually, it like, I mean, actually, like, I would legit make a watermelon salad with a Dijon vinaigrette. Like, that is delicious sounding to me. Incredible. Yeah. Okay, so on this, though, we need to know, rad fat or bad fat? Oh, my God. I mean, I have to go bad fat just because I still think it's disgusting, the idea of it. And I do remember seeing all the TikToks and, like, the hype that was around it. And it's just like, gross. Yeah. You know, watermelon doesn't deserve to have yellow mustard, like, slathered all over it. Fair enough. It's a bad fad. It's a bad fad. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not quite as bad as I thought. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) I've grown. And that's it for this week's episode of Borderline Salty. You can find recipes and recommendations from this week's episode in our show notes. If you have a question or a fear you want us to help you through, you can always leave us a voicemail at 833-433-FOOD. That number is 833-433-3663. Borderline Salty is an original production by Pineapple Street Studios. We're your hosts. I'm Rick Martinez. I'm Carla Lolly Music. You can find links to our work in the show notes for this episode. Natalie Brennan is our lead producer. Janelle Anderson is our producer. Our managing producer is Agarinish Shagre. Our assistant producer is Maria Rosco. Our head of sound and engineering is Raj Makija. Mixing and engineering by Davey Sumner and Jason Richards. Our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. Original music from our very own Raj Makija. Additional music from Vincent Vega, Spring Gang, and Glovebox, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Legal services for Pineapple Street are provided by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Des Rochers. Our executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Wise-Berman. We appreciate Ani, Ellen, Renault, and Michelle for calling in this week. And thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Besitos. <laughs> Adios, amigos. <laughs> Ciao for now. Adios. <laughs>